Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. This is going to be good. We're starting a new series today. Uh, actually, it's kind of one of the pieces up on the wall here, in joy. We're going to be talking about joy, what that looks like, and just kind of diving into God's Word together. A little, a little look at John chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, you can go to John chapter 15. You can find that we'll be right in that area this morning in the, in the book of uh, John. Have you ever wondered, hey, and welcome online, thanks for joining us online as well, nice to have you with us. So we've got a good crowd here this morning, but socially distanced, good job guys, really proud of you, wearing masks, keeping your distance, don't cough on anyone, don't lick anyone's hands, please, that's gross anyway, even if there weren't a coronavirus, uh, no licking, that's a new rule here at Church United, you know, that's, we're going to hold you to that. Uh, anyway, you're at home going, I am glad I'm at home. I didn't know he had to tell people not to lick each other. That's weird. Um, anyway, so we're starting this new series today. Uh, have you ever thought, I was, I was thinking about this as I was reading and preparing and going through John chapter 15, uh, all the passages surrounding John, kind of uh, right around this time in the life of Christ and his time here on earth, what we, what we have here is this uh, a, a moment in time where Jesus knows that his time is coming, that he's making a journey to the cross, and, and now he's got a few hours left here on earth to talk to his disciples to communicate something. Have you ever thought about that? Like if you actually knew the time. I've I, um, had a few people that have passed away, as many of them I'm sure you have, and, and you wish that if you knew this, you could have communicated to them certain things, you could have talked to them, and then I think that that, that, that makes me think about as a father, or as a husband and a friend, what does that look like? If I knew this, these were my final words that I would be communicating, it would look a little different. Right, um, I, I would think, man, there's a lot of pressure in that. First of all, so I got to figure out exactly what I, I need to communicate and what I'm going to be communicating. Uh, but, but, man, it just seems like I, I would start getting some things in order if I knew this were it. And I would have, you know, you think about your last will and testament and, and what you're even giving to your family or giving to others around you. What, what would that look like? And it really starts making you think maybe, uh, in reality, this isn't quite the point of our message today, but when you start thinking about that, there, there is a, a measure of saying, that means I should probably, because I don't know the day or the hour of when Christ will return or when he's going to call me home to be with him, I should probably live in such a way that all my words have value and have importance to them. And that really was the ministry you see in Christ that everything he said had purpose. Everything he said had meaning. And it doesn't mean it was all serious all the time, but, but I think even in that, he's building relationships and, and building life and community with other believers, focusing on what's important. 
So you have Jesus in his last hours here on earth. Really, he's just gone through where we see in John chapter 15, uh, a couple chapters prior leading up to that. Jesus is at the last supper with his disciples. They're sitting down for their last meal together, and they're, they're gathered around the table, and, and everyone, every, the, the whole gang's there, and, uh, and, and he's just teaching, and he's communicating with them. And now you have, right at the end of this as he's talking, John 15 is right when he gets kind of, they get up from the table and they start walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is going to pray. And we all know, well many of us may know if, you're, if you've been in church for a while, you may know the story of what happens at the Garden of Gethsemane. It's right before um, uh, Jesus is praying with his disciples there, right before their guards come and they take him away in the process of Jesus' life through the death on the cross begins to take place. So these are just really, what I'm trying to say is just hours. Just hours before Jesus is taken from the earth. Before he goes to the cross. So these are important words. Like there's a lot of weight here. So Jesus said a lot of important things, but the things that he's saying right before he leaves this earth are going to be, I I mean, we want to lean into this. So so what what we're looking at is I think Jesus is setting the stage here, and if you back up before John chapter um. 15, you go to John chapter 14, you see a couple things taking place that Jesus is leaning into his disciples and he's saying to them, okay, here's what I want you to know. I even want you to know down to, first of all, I want you to know that I love you. And I want you to know that, that, that you are loved by me and I want you to know what it means to love me and how you can show me you love me. So in John chapter uh, 14, verse 23, Jesus says, all who love me will do what I say, and the Father will love them. These are important things that Jesus is saying to his disciples. Know that you are loved by the Father, and here, if you ever question how you are loving me, you can know that I will know that you love me by your obedience, by listening to what I say to do, by following my commandments. He says, my Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Everyone, anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me, and I am telling you these things now that while, I am still, while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate, my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So point one here, not really point one, but in, if, you're, if you take notes, okay, I, I, I never really have points. I just kind of talk, if you've ever noticed. But if you're taking a note here, Jesus wants us to know a few things. So number one here, he's rolling and he wants you to know he loves you and here's how you can love him. Secondly, he wants to know he's, you to know he's leaving this earth and here's your inheritance, the Holy Spirit. Like, That's a pretty big inheritance, right? This is someone will be with you to guide you and be my voice in your life that when you think I have stepped out of your life, you don't see me anymore. I'm not leaving you alone. I will actually always be with you and it will even be better for you because now I'm with the Father and now we've sent the Holy Spirit and he's not just with you. He will be in you. Oh, I love this. Okay, so Jesus is leaving them a gift of the Holy Spirit. Now in verse 27, he says, I'm going to leave you another gift. This is the list of the inheritance from Christ, all right? He's leaving his kids some gifts. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. In the peace I give 
is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So we have some comfort in this right now because just think about the fact, if you feel not at peace, I mean, you watch the news, you don't feel at peace, right? It, does, it just doesn't feel like that's super comforting. Uh, it doesn't look like there's a lot of great things going on. So sometimes when we see all this stuff and we're inundated with negativity and it looks like things are falling apart around us, we have a tendency to say, well, I can't find peace or there's no way that I will be at peace. And Jesus is saying, well, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for peace in the world, this peace I'm giving you is a peace that you will never get from the world. The world could never give you this peace. You'll look at all the things going on around you, and you will never be at peace if you're looking to the world to find your peace. I always love watching, uh, well, I don't really love watching them, but I love the answer that comes. Uh, it would sound a little strange if I said I love to watch beauty pageants, right? Um, that, that's a little strange. But what I find amusing about a beauty pageant is everyone, that the question and answer time, and the girl steps up, and they're like, what's your greatest desire? And they put the mic in front of her, and what's she say? World peace, I heard it. Even at home, you were chanting that. Everyone knows the answer to that. I want world peace. Um, everyone wants world peace. Guess what? It's not happening. All right, it's not happening apart from Christ. Everyone wants peace because we're all looking around us at the world for peace, but that's not the place we look for peace. And Jesus says, I am going to give you a peace in your heart and in your mind. Verse 28, remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am, and I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you'll believe. So he's saying, hey, I'm going to share all this stuff with you. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going down, and you'll be like, man, I don't get it right now. But then when it happens, you'll go, ah, he, he said this was going to happen. It's building trust. In verse 30, he says, I don't have much more time to talk to you. So again, Jesus himself now emphasizing to his disciples that his time left on earth is short. And he's saying, these are the last, some of the last words that I have to share with you. And if those were the last words of Jesus, that, and he was saying, hey guys, I have been with you these last three years. We've walked together, you've leaned in, we've lived together, we've traveled together, we've done all this stuff together, we've done ministry together. I don't have much more time, but there's a few more things I want to share with you. Share with you what happens is they all begin to lean in. Wouldn't you begin to lean in? Wouldn't you want to know what's coming next? Like Jesus is like, I'm about out of time here. i got a few more things to say. And it's not like Pastor Mark giving the announcements. You, you want to lean in, you know? You want to say amen because you understood what was said, not because he tricked you into saying amen like he did me. No. But we lean in. We lean in. And he says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches, but just so you know, he has no power over me. That's not why my time is coming to a conclusion is because Satan is going to be victorious. But it's because I will do what the Father requires of me. I will be obedient to the Father even unto death. Why? So that the world will know that I love the Father. 
So again, he circles back to love and says, how will you know that you love me by obeying my commandments? And what does that mean to you? Well, it means I love the Father and I show the Father I love him by obeying his commandments, by listening to his voice. So they're all sitting around the table at the Last Supper and this is what Jesus shares with them. And then he says, come, let's go. We must be going. So they all get up from the table and they begin to go on a journey, okay? They begin to walk. I don't know that Jesus told them where they're going or told them exactly what was next, but they begin to walk and Jesus is like, come on. And they're like, well, I guess dinner's over. Um, so they all get up and they start walking out the door and now they're taking a path or they're walking and it's nighttime at this point, probably dark outside. They're making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane and on their way, what we see at the beginning of John 15 pretty much is Jesus must have had an illustration standing in front of him, and, and, and they were walking, and I imagine, just, just picture to yourself, they're walking through the hillside, and they come through, on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, they come to a vineyard, and they walk into a vineyard, and here Jesus stops with his disciples, and, and he says, come on guys, I want you to stop here for a minute, let's gather around, and let me talk to you for a moment about this. Now, it's interesting. Illustrations are wonderful. Illustrations kind of drive points home. You know, if we had a little bag, I've been in sermons before, and you pull a little bag out, and it's an illustration, and here's a picture of what's up. And sometimes that will drive the point home. I know some of the things I remember the most come with illustrations, a picture to help us remember. And, and with this, Jesus must have thought so much about this vineyard being an important illustration in the lesson that he was going to teach that he took time in his last few words, his last few hours on earth to stop with his disciples and say, gather here. Let me talk to you about this vineyard. Let me talk to you about the comparison between God the Father, God the Son, and the followers of Christ, my beloved. And he begins to walk through them, through this illustration of the vineyard, a comparison that is so meaningful that he says in verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy, and yes, your joy will then be overflowing. He told them all the things that he told them about the vineyard, and you're like, well, what did he say about the vineyard? We're not there yet, okay? We're just starting a series, so don't get too excited. We're not going to get all the answers today. But what I love is the setup of this, right? Verse 11, I have told you all these things. So everything he just said about the vine, he said, I am telling you this. Why? So that you can understand what it means to be overflowing with joy. Now, joy is an interesting thing. We can stamp it on the wall. We can talk about having joy, but really, and even preparing for this message, the questions that come up are, what is joy? I look at the definition, and, and what they tell you in school is never give someone a definition of a word using the word in the definition. Yet, that seems to be what happens when you talk about joy. Say, what is joy? Well, joy is being joyful. Well, thank you. That was very, very helpful. You know, or it's described really as a feeling, right? It's, it's an emotion. So joy, when you look at it, it becomes this idea of happiness or cheerfulness. 
And joy is described then as maybe an adjective or it's a, or it's a verb. It's something that you do. You are joyful. I guess like that's something you are. That would be descriptive. That would be an adjective probably. But you are overwhelmed with joy. You express joy. And it's this idea that we really don't understand what this kind of joy is. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we hear Christians and pastors and preachers and, and we read in the Bible that we should have joy, but then when we look at the circumstances that are around us, we often don't feel joyful. Are you with me? Because yeah, I could have some things go on in my life and, and someone's like, don't you just have the joy of the Lord? Ah, <laughs> I don't know, I'm feeling that today. And those are the words that are the actual problem is, yeah, I don't know that I'm feeling that today. Now, you could feel joy, but a feeling isn't primarily what joy is about. Right? Joy isn't necessarily about just feeling a certain way. And, and, and here's the problem is, Jesus says, hey, you, you listen to my words. Everything I just told you is about your joy being complete, your joy being full. And we just feel as though I will probably never get to the place where in this world my joy is ever complete. Turn to Revelation chapter 21. When I think of my joy being complete... When I think of how I'm going to feel in comparison to what's going on around me, I think of joy from the standpoint of revelation. And in Revelation chapter 21, the apostle John is writing down this, everything that Jesus is telling him to write. He's in the midst of a vision from Jesus, from God. That's, he's opening his eyes and enlightening him. And John says in verse, 20, uh, verse 1 of chapter 21, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. Wouldn't you like the old earth to disappear sometimes? <laughs> and the sea was gone. And I saw a holy city in the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And then I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. Oh, this is getting good. He will live with them, and, he, uh, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Now, doesn't that sound like joy? Then that, that, that feels good, right? We, we read this, and then we read on. It says, and, and then the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. He said, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely in the sp from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. And I just think, praise the Lord, I can't wait for that day. Do you agree with me? Can't wait for that day. Yes, yeah, you should be excited about that day, right? That's, that, that, there, there should be some drive for a Christian. If you're not excited about heaven, there's something wrong with you. 
If you're not excited about spending, and, and we get afraid of it, this isn't my message, but we do get a little bit of afraid, a little scared because we, we can't understand the fullness of heaven and what that is, and we're even afraid sometimes to think that we are going to be with God for eternity, and what does that look like, how does that feel, but I'm telling you, that, that, that is a heart condition for you now that the closer you get with God, the more you desire Him and want Him and desire fellowship with Him. And if you don't have a longing for the presence of God and the longing for missing your home because this world is not our home, if you don't have that longing taking place in your heart, there's a heart condition problem with you that you need to spend more time in the Word. And that's really what we're getting at here because I read Revelation and I think no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears. He's wiping this away. Everything's made new. I'm in the presence of God, the unfiltered love of my heavenly Father. There's no sun providing light because God Himself is the light. And we think, Oh, joy, I can't wait to get there. And there's the fullness. There's the completeness of joy. And we'll never experience that until we get to heaven. And there's a piece of that's the tr that, that that's true that we won't understand complete revelation and complete fullness until we get with God. But if that were totally true and it were all about heaven, then Jesus' words would be untrue to say in John 15 that right now, your joy can be complete. So I think there's a measure of the feeling that we connect with with heaven of saying, I can have joy because there's no sorrow, there's no more weeping, there's no more any of those things that cause me to cry or cause me pain, so therefore I will feel happy. But really, happiness becomes a byproduct of joy. Excitement is a byproduct of joy. There are a lot of byproducts of joy, but joy itself is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Joy is actually a foundation. And that's what Jesus is getting the disciples to, to understand is, hey, you, you want fullness of joy. You want to walk in the Spirit of God, and you're going through all kinds of trials and struggles and all these other things, but I'm telling you, if you listen to the secrets of the vine, if you listen to the secrets of the vineyard, Bruce Wilkinson years ago wrote this book called Secrets of the Vine. I just love that title. If you've never read that book, I would encourage you to find it and read it. It's not a big book. It's an easy read, but it's a powerful read as well. Secrets of the Vine, because what he's saying is Jesus standing in this vineyard tells the disciples, if you understand how this vineyard works, if you understand the comparison of this, you can walk in such a way in this life, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of trial, in the midst of struggle, you can walk in such a way that you have complete joy. Fullness of joy. He goes on in John chapter 16, if you move ahead a chapter, to explain this a little bit more clearly of what joy is and what's the difference between a feeling of joy and a foundation of joy. So in, in, in John chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus said some things to his disciples, and now they're questioning him. And, and Jesus says, you are asking yourselves what I meant. Uh, well, I, I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little after, while, after that you will see me again. 
And I tell you the truth, you will weep now and mourn over what's going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. So Jesus is saying there's going to be a lot of feelings and emotions going down, and you're going to feel a certain way, and the world is going to feel a certain way, and they won't be in line with one another. But there are going to be a lot of feelings happening. And he said, you will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn into wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor and when her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. Dennis and Sarah brought a new baby into the world the last couple weeks. Congratulations, Dennis and Sarah. Woo! New baby. That's exciting. Now, any mother who has gone through that knows the pain and the anguish, but then that change of joy When the child comes, and Jesus is making that comparison, and he says, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant you your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name. You will receive and you will have abundant joy. What changed, right? Jesus Jesus is saying right here in this little moment, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be gone. And in the midst of that gone, you're going to experience grief. You're going to experience hardship. You're going to experience sadness. And you're not going to have any feeling of joy. But at the same moment, the world will rejoice when I die because they'll think they were doing something that was significantly right, that was significantly wrong. And they experience the joy. But then you'll see me again. And then it won't no, it will no longer be a feeling of joy, but it will actually be a joy that no one could ever rob from you. So in this little stretch of time, Jesus says, you'll see me, then you won't see me, and when you don't see me, you won't have joy, you'll be sad, you won't experience that feeling, but when I return, the joy that I will bring to you upon my return will be a joy that no one can ever rob from you. They can never take it away. You will have abundant abiding joy. What happened? Well, that little time when Jesus goes away that they don't see him anymore is when Jesus goes to the cross and he spreads his arms out for the forgiveness of the world. For the sins that those disciples and all of humanity past, present, future will commit. Those sins were then nailed to a cross through Jesus Christ. His blood was shed on the cross and there would be forgiveness for those sins. The blood was shed. Not only that, then Jesus goes to the grave and he defeats not only sin, but he overcomes death. And now Jesus stands victorious before his disciples. And what changed is Jesus' death and resurrection that then becomes the foundation for abundant, abiding joy that they could never have experienced before, but after they believe and after they lean into Him, it's a joy that will never be taken away from them again. Because it's founded and grounded in Jesus Christ. 
It's not rolling with the waves of emotions. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world anymore. And actually, this whole passage, before and after it, is all surrounded with these ideas of hardship that the disciples are going to face. Jesus says, hey, I'm getting ready to leave you. I'm going to prepare you for what's going to happen. Right? He says, people are, read through these passages. Read through John 14, 15, and 16. And all around here, what you'll see is Jesus is telling the disciples, the world is going to hate you. The world is actually going to kill you. The world is going to kill me. You're going to experience trials. You're going to experience sorrows. You're going to have hardship. You're going to have times that you don't understand what's going on. You're going to have regret. You're going to have remorse. You're going to have sadness. All these things are happening to you, and they're going to happen. You're going to be scattered away from one another. Your whole family is going to be dispersed. The family of God is moving apart. You won't be with each other. You won't get to see one another. You are going to be picked apart. Yet you can have joy in the midst of all of that. And you thought your life was bad, right? Let, read through this and just get a little perspective. Because this really happened. Everything he said came true. They were scattered. They were pulled apart from one another. Many of them died, were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus promises them. He guarantees them that if they learn the secrets of this vineyard, if they understand what he's telling them about the grapes and the, the, the fruit and the vine and the, the branches and the vine dresser, if they can understand this and they can grasp this, their joy will be enough foundation through Jesus Christ himself to weather any storm that's in front of them. Because the joy is not a feeling. The joy is a foundation in Christ. So he talks about a foundation of love for them. He talks about a foundation of peace for them. And now he's talking about a foundation of joy that can only be found in him, in Jesus Christ. And in John 16, he says, I have told you all of this so that you will have peace in me. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We have a foundation of joy because Jesus has overcome the world. Because Jesus bridged the gap between God, holy God, and sinful man. We have a foundation of joy because Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. We have a foundation of joy because it's in Christ and His paying the price for our forgiveness. We have a foundation of joy because Jesus is preparing a home for us. We have a foundation of joy because Jesus promises He's coming again. We have a foundation of joy because the joy we can have is not of our own. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. The same joy that Jesus had when he was able to say, for the joy set before me, I endured the cross. That's not a joyful feeling. That is a foundation of joy. So the question is, do you want to know how to walk 
in the world, in this world that we live in, wouldn't you like to know how to walk in an overflowing, abundant joy? Wouldn't you like to know what that looks like, what that feels like, and how you can accomplish that? No? Okay. Well, I'll pray, and we'll start a new series next week that's not this one then, because no one's interested in this. I just thought someone would like to live in joy. Wouldn't you like to know how to live in this world with abundant joy? Yes, yes. We would love to know this, and it's good that we want to know this. So, so when the world hates you, when trials and sorrows come, when your loved ones die, when people will abandon you, when the storms of life are all around you, wouldn't it be nice to know how to have joy in the midst of that kind of suffering? And the secret is in the vineyard. And we're going to take a little look at John 15 together over the next several weeks and see what Jesus is communicating to his disciples. So that's a little plug. Just, just this week, just a little intro, just a little teaser. And next week we'll dig in, but say, well, where does that leave us today? Step one is before you can experience joy in Christ, you have to be in Christ. In Joy is really a choice for all of us. We can choose joy, but before we just choose joy, we have to choose Jesus. And that's step number one. That if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or, or, or you're in this room today, or that, that relationship is not one. You could relate when I was saying earlier. You're watching online at home, and you're like, man, Pastor Rob was talking about this, this seemingly lack of desire for even heavenly things or, or being in heaven with Christ. Maybe that's you at home. Maybe that's you in this room today, and you just haven't been there. And I would challenge you to say, do you really have a foundation that's in Christ? A desire to know Christ? Have you really ch chosen Jesus to say, I desire Him. I want Him. I want the fullness of life that He offers. That's step one. So if, if you want to get anything out of the rest of the series, if you want it to be meaningful, it begins with choosing Jesus. Because when you choose Jesus, you choose joy.